Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raf. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm not traveling. Pretty, yeah, pretty pretty good. <laughs> you, yeah, you just did a gigantic travel. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm on a little uh, respite before um, moving to Norway, basically for the month of June. Uh, do you ever, when you have downtime, do you ever feel like I, there should be more in my calendar? Like there should be more uh, downtime in my calendar? No, the, there's too much downtime. Do you get anxious? It's like, oh, I'm not giving mm. it all I should. Uh, no, because I'm like um, really terrified of all of the work I have to do, <laughs> especially today. Okay. Uh, yeah, so like I just, yeah, what I'm usually worried about is that I'm not spending enough time with my friends and family. Um, mm-hmm. That concerns me. Yeah. Yeah. I know I can't have children for this reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, our listeners are children. I mean, not that I could have a child, uh, but I couldn't share the miracle. <laughs> or no, now I'm implicitly saying it's a miracle if you can't have kids. Anyway, uh, Kristen and I have decided not to have children in the short short time, uh, short mm-hmm. short term, I guess. Not in the next three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Not, <laughs> not until I get this work off <laughs> my chest. Just one more deadline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's called the... A friend of mine would always call it cultural slavery. The people who feel indebted to... Uh, I have to give the art world or, or the world of culture my everything. Mm, that seems like really unfair to actual slaves, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a pretty good by comparison. Oops. Okay. There, I mean, certainly, uh, I, I've always said on this podcast before, artists are paid a lot less than uh, normal sort of workers for. Well, it's 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 very. Uh, it's some artists get paid a lot more than anybody, and most artists get paid a lot less. Yeah, there's definitely like a there's the ninety nine percent, and then the one percent. Yeah, because there's also the thing where everyone around the artist is sort of on a fixed salary. So as long as the artist is poor, they're all better off. So uh, they get insurance and pension and. These yeah. kind of, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people will work in a capacity of a producer or a curator with an institution. That's true. And then they grow up with a generation of artists who are struggling, but then some of them start selling a lot. And then it's kind of the sky is the limit. So there's not the salary cap. And then you, yeah. there can be some animosity where it's like, well, I helped your career and now you're... Of course, yeah, because cult- all the fruits. even if you work in a museum or you're a culture worker, you're probably being paid below, um, like a very low wage. Um, yeah, yeah. Or volunteering a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, no, and yeah. there's a lot of freelance curators who, uh, or writers have to work for it. I'm, I'm not saying uh, yeah. they're making a lot of money. I'm just saying in the beginning, maybe everybody's poor and some people are making like a, a reasonable salary, but nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. But at some point, some... It, salaries just don't go up that high yeah it's maybe a topic for another day but my strategy yeah. now is to give back a certain um percentage of my income back to other artists but uh and, and that's how yeah, I, think. I i i would i would argue that the world would be better off if you didn't need a day job so you should not give back <laughs> no i've been thinking about this like if i can make a lot of money from a day job and then give it to people other i mean this is a topic for another day so what were we going to yeah. talk about uh today <laughs> <laughs> money no wait <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about nostalgia oh yeah nostalgia yes remember yeah. a time when we made money <laughs> remember yeah did, did any did you see that south park trilogy or the uh, season about the member berries the member berries yeah 
No. It was no. the last season of South Park. No, I know you're a huge South Park fan, but I stopped. I watched the first like four <laughs> seasons, maybe. I think I, I must the last time I watched it like religiously. It was when I was in my 20s or something. It's been on a mm-hmm. long time, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's almost 20 seasons. So it's like this, it's almost like The Simpsons at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. the longest running show on television. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. I, 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 it's hard to believe it's still they're still making new episodes. Yeah, yeah I saw one on uh, Trump's one hundred, like a trailer on Trump's first one hundred days. Uh, yeah, this week. it was actually quite funny. I was surprised. I was like, wow, the Simpsons uh, material is still really fresh. They're on point. Yeah, <laughs> they're on point. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the Simpsons is an example of uh, is that nostalgic, but they never stopped, so they continued. So it's mm-hmm. it's but, a continuation. But it, there's tons of examples of. What interests me about nostalgia, it's obvious there's a lot of movie remakes and a lot of people listen to music from before. And the internet is this huge archive which gave us so much access to the past. Yeah, why did, why did you, is that why you wanted thing. to talk about it? Like, uh, Well, that, that was part of it. And part of it was that I curated the Screensaver exhibition. Oh, yeah, right. right. And I was interested. Um, so it's part of the collective memory and then kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. But what interests me is that Curation intrinsically is nostalgic because you're always showing things that already happened. Mm. Uh, mm. Unless, so well, not if, always. If you're, if you're, you, yeah, you can commission but, new works, right? Yeah, but even those have happened in the studio. And I think only with performance are you really doing something that happens at that moment. But mm-hmm. even in performance, there's a form of nostalgia where people will restage performances mm. or reference a time that performance started that people long for. Mm. Maybe we should talk about, well, the, I'm very nostalgic this week for performance because Vito Acconci died, famous yeah. performer. Yeah. Um, but we should define... But, but, but maybe it, what, what interests me is mm. that art, art is so much tied to art history. So someone was talking about when you're in sports, you're competing against all the other living athletes. But mm-hmm. when you're an artist, you're, you're sparring even with the Egyptians and uh, things that happened <laughs> right. 5,000 years ago. Right. So maybe art is the most nostalgic thing ever because it's so much about longevity and creating things that will test the, uh, stand the test of time. Mm. What's interesting, though, is the definition of nostalgia uh, or, you know, the, the origins of the word. It's like uh, it was considered a disease. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it meant like uh, pain or homecoming pain uh, from... The Greek, Longing and missing. The Greek nosta and, yeah. or something, an alga or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, this, <laughs> while I was getting up this morning, I read like an article on nostalgias. But I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that it was considered disease and people. It was really for soldiers, which I think is kind of funny uh, to think of these like soldiers that were going off to war and then they would like they would want to be home, like not going off to die. And so they yeah. would be like, they'd be like, well, I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they would be like. You know, diagnosed with nostalgia. You have a disease. <laughs> Why do you want to go home and not oh, fight you got for a, a country? You got a case of the nasties. Yeah, but it reminded me that uh, you know this kind of make America great again is a n- kind of nostalgia. Na- nationalism yeah. and nostalgia are often inter- intertwined. Uh, yeah, I saw this comedian. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, he said you don't see a lot of uh, people of color longing for the good old days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, not even. Uh, not, yeah, that's like a, a joke I laughed at, but should be crying about. But you're you're absolutely right, and I think like um, there's like a lot of interesting stuff in relationship with nostalgia. But because the, the, there's a there's a basic psychological phenomenon that uh, how memory works mm-hmm. is that you often 
make the past nicer than it was just because it has a conclusion so you you might have had a terrible day but you remember it you remember the good parts and like i'm not talking about really terrible things but if you had a crappy vacation but you talk about it later on it becomes funny mm-hmm. and so the 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 past can have this warm feeling because you there's no you have control over the past you can kind yeah. of okay that happened and uh, the future is always like well, well i don't know what's going to happen yeah, apparently that that is. I mean, the nostalgia is like an evolutionary tool, right, uh, to help us get through difficult times. And usually, it's in times of where there's a lot of change or chaos mm. that people have the strongest nostalgic feelings for the past. So they long yeah. for some stability or something, some warmth within like a cold kind of space. For example, like uh, apparently, like you never. I, I thought, well, maybe kids never have nostalgia, right? Like because what do they have to be nostalgic about? They haven't mm-hmm. experienced anything. But apparently, in like China, in fast-growing cities, uh, young children have like great nostalgia. <laughs> it's like, remember when you know when Shanghai was a smaller place? Or something yeah. Like that? Well, it's also but, if 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 your parents. There's also the the basic premise that your life in the beginning is is very carefree so mm-hmm. it's easy to long for that mm-hmm. well yeah 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 as as adults right but it's it's funny to think that um yeah but maybe if your grandparents are talking to you all the time and say like oh boy it was so fun when i was a kid right now the world is so difficult mm-hmm. and then you get this trained nostalgia i was thinking that this week as i was walking past like a school uh i was doing like a one-on-one with a <laughs> you know with one of uh my employees or my reports and you know they're like these children's play children playing and having fun and i'm like trying to motivate a <laughs> like a fellow peer and just you know i said to him I was like i wish we didn't have to do this i wish we could just like hang out and play for the rest of the day it's re- it's really hard like i'm, I'm you're yeah i mean it, it's really funny when you think like can't we figure this out then we can just hang out so everybody can have fun all the time yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, I know it's so immature, right? And there's this like denial that that, that, so I guess I wanted to get to this idea that nostalgia might be also a guilty pleasure among, among certain people. Like whenever I get nostalgic, I'm like, no, grow up, Jeremy. Like you know, yeah. it's, the good old days weren't so good, you know? Yeah, just, no, definitely. But the, there's a, if you go back to art, I mean, so much of art is learning all the references. So mm-hmm. when you go to art school, uh, so is that nostalgia? Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, if you think about uh, is, like the references in art, like so. Well, I mean, let, if, if I think a lot of art education is, you have an idea, and then your teacher says, "Oh, you should look at this and this and this." Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't think that's nostalgia because you haven't experienced it. However, it is postmodern to to think. But it is it is talking about the past. Yeah, but I guess there's a difference between one's own memory of the past. Well, in, unless that's you know, there's a collective memory, in which case... Yeah, but, like, but let's say you're, you're a painter, and then mm-hmm. um, y- um, there's so much history there, and to just ignore that, then you have the chance of making something that already was mm-hmm. made. Well, I think, like, the yeah, so inherent in our current era is this idea that we've, you know, under postmodernism, there's no new idea. And so there can only be... But that can uh, be proven wrong very quickly. Yeah, of course, but the idea is that there's only recombi- recombinations of. But do you agree the, with that? Old ideas. Well, I mean, I'm just carrying this 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 thought forward, which is like there can only if if everything's nostalgic and if there's only recombinations of nostalgia potentially that inherently uh, that's kind of baked into our present era, yeah, our present way yeah. of being, and especially and I think you mentioned earlier with the internet, 
that is only accelerated. So, well, the, yeah, the internet these, has just given us access to the universal library. Yeah, and so there's these nostalgic loops. Uh, someone I was I can't remember who said, but like a GIF is actually a very is a, a very nostalgic exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, often GIFs you'll notice are from like previous eras. Like it'll be like Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air dancing on yeah. a loop, but it's just a microsecond of time, and you repeat it over and over and over again. You yeah. get to watch it and reinterpret. But the, the it. reason the reason to use Carlton from the Fresh Prince and not something from a new show is that more people can remember it. So if you reference something very new, um, like half the people haven't seen that show yet, or they're mm-hmm. not on Netflix. Um, you know what I mean? It's just more powerful if you work with something that everybody knows. Yeah, but it's why is it more powerful? It's more powerful because people have a fond memory for it. Because they have a connection with it. Yeah. I think that's like, why. Like apparently... Um, if it, when when uh, sort of like feeling having feelings of nostalgia, people are less price sensitive. Uh, so mm. uh, marketers take advantage of this, but I think artists take advantage of it as well. Like, well, it, it, here's an example of how powerful it is. So I um I spoke at a conference that was for artists to learn about self promotion and being more independent. So I spoke from my point of view using the web, and there was a a guy from a big social media company who did social media for musicians and movie stars. Mm -hmm. And he would represent famous people from actors to really big pop stars, but also a little bit more alternative like Pearl Jam or Bjork, people like that. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're artists and they always want to work on the next project and they don't want to talk about the past. So mm, th- mm. their social media is like, I have a new album, I have a new tour, etc. And his whole thing and his company was like, you need to connect with the audience at a very emotional base level. And they grew up with Pearl Jam and they grew up with Bjork. So you have to show backstage images that weren't released and you have to mm. show old movie shoots and all these things that people will connect with without any sales message. Mm-hmm. just so people are very interested in viewing the content and then every 20 posts you can say I have something new <laughs> and and it was just a very powerful method that these uh, maybe that's how uh, throwback Thursdays got started <laughs> yeah but it was very counter to the desire of an artist to create so mm-hmm. and especially someone like Bjork is like she wants to do everything different every tour so of course she doesn't want to talk about her the sweater she wore in a Spike Jones video mm. um but and do you so think it, that the stuff from that when it, so when she was on that original tour, would people have been interested in the sweaters she wore? Or is it only like that the interest grows over time? Well, that's that's why I'm thinking: is it an internet-specific thing that the nostalgia has grown? Mm-hmm. Because we have because it's like a um, a hypermedia experience that we. Well, like, it's an on-demand experience and it's an, a, right. an archive by nature yeah because what they would have done in the past is he would have liked you know got the big cd uh like remember those they you you'd get like these special release cd uh yeah. kind of anniversary editions and it would be like four cds plus a little book and it would like show you behind the scenes stuff and it was like this it's, whole sensorial experience but now that's what the internet is basically yeah but it's also maybe an age thing where the, the fans of pearl jam and bjork uh, grew up with that and 15-year-olds are maybe more interested in new music. But here's what I think. I think that there's a big market uh, that's emerging around nostalgia, specifically like around capturing as much of your actual experience. So I'm thinking of Snapchat's like uh, glasses. And so, you know, if you look at the marketing... Just the idea of everything being recorded at all times. 
Yeah. And so if you look, and there's a little, before Snapchat had these glasses, there was like a little pin you could get. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And it would, it work, takes a picture every like, you know, 10 seconds of your yeah. life. And but then the, it, it's all stored on a server and you can always go back and find an image. And Yeah. So inherent though in these products is some future speculation that we're going to actually want to go back and look at these things. Um, look at the well, relive I, I experiences. I think it's a very deep, deep desire for people to represent uh, what the experience is and to record them. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because in my my assumption based on like my kind of, as I've mentioned many times, like kind of fluxus grounding is like that you can't really relive an experience through another media. You but can then only you're referencing re- something from the past already. Like but you can only, you, yeah, but you can you, only... You experienced it through all kinds of documents. Yeah, but it's a, yeah, I guess so, but it's an ideology or concept. But, but, but like the, the idea that you could experience another media... Uh, I mean, a, a memory through a media as if it was the original mm-hmm. experience. It, it, of course, you have to admit that that's impossible. And so I think inherent in nostalgia, as you stated earlier, is like some sort of repackaging of the past, almost like a productization of the past. And it's like, and I, so I, therefore I can, I can, I, you already see it in Facebook, like where you'll log in and it's like, remember 10 years ago and they yeah. package it up as like a little video <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very interesting that we're living in this era. Do you think where, it's manipulative? Well, like I said, I think it's productization. So they're taking what it, every product relies on uh, two things: a pain, pain point, and what, what's called a pain point or a problem, something that you are miserable with, and then a solution. And you know, nostalgia is really like it's funny that pain is a part of the original meaning of the yeah. word. Yeah. Is this idea that you can like soothe that pain by just reliving the experience or getting as close to reliving it as possible in some? in some almost like artificial way. And so I can I could definitely see in the future like us reliving experiences from our past, but like just like a filter in like that new faces app or you know where it makes you look younger or whatever that you would relive mm-hmm. the past as if it was like, you know, through rose-colored yeah, kind of rose-tinted glasses. Yeah, but Maybe we would it's a re- desire for time travel. But imagine like if I could say to you Raphael like you you know, imagine your life reliving it again, but you know, better. <laughs> it's but, like we take out, yeah, edit all, way, also, all the way. It's pain. also an interesting idea that through recording, we can kind of travel back into time. We can travel in memories, but we can't travel forward. And so we think that we're very nostalgic. But if we had the option to fast forward, mm-hmm. everyone would do that. No one would be interested in the past. Yeah. If Oh, I see what you're saying. Because uh, but we, cause we wouldn't have lived it. Yeah. So it, it like maybe humans just have a very deep desire to explore and you can explore in by going on vacation, by traveling, or by meeting people, mm-hmm. or you can explore by going through history, because you're 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 living in a in a moment, but then all of a sudden there's a yeah. either a book or a library or the internet. And you're like, hey, you can see everything that happened mm. in this country in this decade. Do you want to see it? Yeah, I mean, I think we have a desire though to ser- we're searching for meaning, and so. You're saying that just information is meaning, but what I think nostalgia indicates is that processing uh, experience is where meaning is uh, generated. Mm. And I know you've already told me before in previous podcasts that I shouldn't be so attached to meaning. <laughs> well, I, I, I was thinking about that more. That uh, did I change your mind? <laughs> it, no, but it. it I, I think it's a, a fundamental human longing mm-hmm. to to be useful. But meaning, I mean, use and meaning, meaning has no use. No, I, because I, meaning gives, it, it, it implies that there's purpose. It's like, okay, yeah. purpose there's a good is, and a bad. Yeah. 
purpose is like the str- the one of the most I think I've said this before it's the strongest motivating factor in one's life right if you mm-hmm. remove a sense of purpose it's very hard yeah. to get and for um, a lot of people money is purpose it's very easy to understand it's like okay if I get more money I'm a better person mm-hmm. um, so yeah. I saw that you uh, you posted a picture using like an app of you in your 90s <laughs> um, using that new like face face app. app yeah yeah With, that's a little some- time forward travel yeah, that app, man. It's like such a terribly designed app. It's like it's, it, once you get it? inside, and because it's pushing you to buy all kinds of things once you get inside of it. That that's my problem with it. Like mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I don't want to get side, sidetracked. Bad app, free app. It's a viral app. There's these viral app designs out now that I think like just like are, are full of negative patterns or dark patterns. Yeah, that's one of them. But anyway, like so you you posted a picture. You fell for their little trick. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a watermark in the picture, so other people will download that. Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah. uh, I was thinking, like, in, inherent in your uh, hypothesis earlier is like, if you could jump ahead to the future, you wouldn't have nostalgia for the past. But it was funny the way you posted that picture. You had nostalgia for the future already. You were talking, about, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about how you had been making websites for fifty years or something. What was your what was no? The I said I'll, uh, still making websites in 2058. Right, so you're already, that's a kind of a nostalgia for the future that you mm-hmm. want to preserve what exists in the present for every moment moving forward until you're in your 90s. And also it reminded me that like when you meet someone and you fall in love, the you know the very romantic kind of cheesy thing to say is like I want to grow old. I want us to grow old together. Yeah. Um but I don't think that that's actually what you want. I think what you want is to be surprised together, to like experience things you've never experienced together. Like if you were locking in on what you have now no, for the next but 50 years. No, but I think years, the statement of saying I want to grow old together means um this is not just I'm horny for you cuz you're hot mm. right now, mm. but I really love you and th- that transcends uh, uh Hey, I don't uh, I don't this, disagree. I'm yeah. just saying that there's like um there's kind of this inherent like feeling this I don't think I don't know if maybe there is like a German word for it like I feel like I want to say like short yeah even though yeah, I know yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. the word but well, for, like it, some I know what you mean there's, there's sort of a longing for safety yeah longing so it's both in reverse and, and forward in Ukrainian kind of culture there's this expression because they've experienced so much pain famine war you know genocide <laughs> that uh that you wish someone a very boring life that's always what you uh, yeah, I wish nice. you a very boring life <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Because if something happens, it's probably bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's, I mean, Silicon Valley is such an interesting moment because it's, everything's about risk taking. It, mm-hmm. It's really, if you're not taking any risks, you're not cool. Right. And 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 this this is, I mean, it is kind of a bit of a pivot, but like Elon Musk is now like really getting on my nerves. Like yeah. if he comes out with like one new like game changer idea, <laughs> it's like every week now. And now it's like railway car, like car railways underneath the cities. Yeah, like it's so stupid. Stuff. Why can't they make good subways? I mean, here's what if, he could if, do. If, yeah, like invest why don't that they money invest in, in subway public system. transport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why do we have to colonize Mars? Why can't we make it better here? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, yeah, it's like, a, what have you done for me lately? He seems to have like no nostalgia. Actually, it's all. Yeah, here. exactly. So that's what's interesting. This sort of we need to disrupt anything at all costs, and change is always good, even mm-hmm. if it's bad. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it, right? This inherent idea that um, the change is always good. That any problem is it can be solved. Um, there's yeah. a great book by Evgeny Morozov called click here to save everything. Mm-hmm. 
on the topic, but like Silicon Valley has really promoted this idea that we're never really in our ideal state. No, we're always, no. And I, you know, I agree with that for not for everybody, but it's for a certain type of people. It's, mm-hmm. it's good to always be tinkering. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I love, I love speculating about the future, I, but specifically, I love speculating about like, you know, a future where, um, I don't know, that's more accessible, or like you said, that where people can get around no matter, yeah. you know, of their income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or well, like, it's, it's, it's for sure for now that uh, all this, the disruption helps a small portion of people economically. So, mm-hmm. and I think that creates a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. So when you have like rapid, rapid change, it's scientifically proven that we become more nostalgic. So it's no surprise that like you have all these political candidates, I think, that are like, you know, really kind of latching onto that saying like, wow, the world's really changing quickly. You know, we we live in this age of acceleration, um, as Thomas Friedman would say. So like, like let's hold on to what we yeah. know was once true or we, we or we let's reinvent or re, or sort of re uh, rebrand the past well, that, as something that, great that's kind of uh, um i've always wanted to, this podcast not to be too political because it, when people uh, i mean some yeah, things yeah, should, but yeah. Just, yeah but but that but, but that aside I, I part of why i wanted to do this episode i was trying to remember whether i had this fear of the world ending in the 90s but i remember it I really didn't think much about politics in in uh, well, when I was fifteen. Kid. No, but I think right now, if you grow up and you're like, um, "Dad, is is the world ending next week?" I'm reading all this stuff about World War Three, mm-hmm. and you can't seriously say like, "Oh no, we're totally fine." Mm-hmm. Like, so you feel like children are aware of this uh, no, I, precarious I, time. I mean. Um, I don't know. It's just it's. I'm just trying to remember what I mean. Is that I think there's a very strong force in selling fear and then offering a solution. So mm-hmm. political candidates can say, if you don't vote for me, the world will end. Yes, that's kind of yeah. a, a strategy. He's going to have his 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 fingers on the nuclear codes and right. blah blah blah, and we're all going to die. So there's this. I think on both sides there's this feeling like one wrong on decision the, and the world ends. And that yeah. I, I was reading the diaries of Keith Haring, and he lived like that in the '80s. He's like. He was trying to change the world, make art more accessible, but he's like, "Oh, what does it matter? There's going to be a bomb next week anyway." Like, well, th- also during the, of- during the '80s, people were literally dying like flies. I mean, yeah. because of AIDS. No, right? but he was specifically talking about Cold War. So there was this constant threat, which just uh, it was real. But I, I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you maybe the '90s was just an exceptional time that uh, peaceful time. You think? I don't know. First I mean, the 90s the had uh, Operation Desert Storm. I remember being a teenager at that time yeah. and being like, man, that Bush guy, what does he think he's doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. as a kid, I remember. And then I took, yeah, I remember taking my first trip to the United States and feeling like, wow, these are the people that are bombing Iraq. And then um, they bombed uh, Yugoslavia. Yeah, and then, that's right, I just got back from Serbia where, you know, uh, you know, they're still feeling the pain of the ni- the NATO uh, sort of bombing yep. campaigns of the late 90s. And they've they got pictures of like yeah, children up everywhere. But I, I think there's been wars. I don't want to downplay any war and any bombing. Mm-hmm. But it, this idea of nuclear war and total annihilation of humankind, right. it's just right. a different skill. 
Yeah, because we have this weird nostalgia. Maybe this is where you're going. I don't know if it is, but people after like a hundred years become very nostalgic for war and suffering. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> oh, that Second World War, fascinating stuff. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> the good old I, you days. Know, they start to co- yeah, the good old days. They collect all of this memorabilia. There's a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the camaraderie. Right, they make up these new stories about the, these horrific events. Um, and I, I well, what well, I know from well, my grandfather's funny, who, like, I've well, two of my, yeah, to my grandfather's like, the, yeah, yeah. Were your grandfathers in the war, or were your grandmothers in the war? Yeah, like, they. My grandparents didn't want to talk about it. Period. Like, there, if it came up, I remember as a child because I'd be curious and I'd be like, oh, t- could you tell me about this, grandpa? He's like, absolutely not. I never want to think about it again. <laughs> you know, like there was very little uh, positive emotion about that time. Yeah, um, but I, I want to get back to. Uh, nostalgia and art and so mm-hmm, yeah. do, do you think that being uh, an art historian and being very interested in renaissance painting does that have a nostalgic motivation i think what I, I, i'm struggling with is that like it's nostalgia for something that you didn't quite experience but then that second world war example that i gave you is true too like so it becomes this more like nostalgia this fascination with an experience you didn't have. Yeah, but there's, there's, for example, there's clear nostalgia where it's like, oh, my sneakers from when I was a kid and they're reissuing them. Mm-hmm. So we agree on that kind of term. Yeah. But but I'm interested in, if you long, if you look at uh, Renaissance painting or maybe there's a nationalistic element where you're really into Van Gogh or Vermeer as a Dutch person mm-hmm. uh, or you're, you're, really, you you're really into Jackson Pollock as, an, as a New York painter, is that a nostalgic thing? Is it? A, I mean, I think it's like those people have, there are signifiers, right? There are institutions and players that have said, these are the important people. Yeah. These are the people you should care about. But at what point does pop culture become such an institution that it's no longer nostalgia, but it, it, get, it gets to that status where it's like, no, the Air Force One is a, is a mm. classic like a Greek temple and it, it's not nostalgic, <laughs> it's a classic. Uh, well, I think that that's what you're referring to a little bit is that like Van Gogh is like a classic where you're always going to, it's, it, it's, it's historically significant forever because of the way it's packaged and sold. And there is a certain nostalgia in the packaging. But there's a nostalgia when you see it of like, oh, there was no electronics and he would just be in a field with sunflowers yeah. and uh, it, people lived this bohemian life and they were kind of detached. Yeah, I guess from my society. question is whether that's romanticization and maybe that's that's the distinction, like whether it's, you're romanticizing a period or you're actually because if you're nostalgic for it, you should feel pain or longing for that. Yeah. Well, but then the, again, I, Kristen watches a lot of period dramas, and I'm always like, I'm very disinterested. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm always not very interested, and she, but she's very interested, and she talks about how, like, you know, personally, she would prefer to have been. It, alive in that time oh whenever i see movies of the 19th century thank god i wasn't alive then it's so <laughs> horrible everything like, was cold and miserable and disease everywhere and but i think where it might make sense though is where you're living in the past like i was i i stayed i did a residency in istanbul and yeah we this, both did the same residency that's right you, we mm. did both did with the moving museum simon yeah. and i a great people shout out shout out <laughs> woo, woo. <laughs> uh but when you're there, there's this like, um, I can't remember the word for it. I wish I could remember. It's a, I'll try and put it in the show notes. But there's a word for this feeling of longing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's They don't call it nostalgia, but for what was once great. In Turkish? Um, yeah, it's a Turkish word. I have a book on the topic, actually. 
And it sort of refers to the, you know, because this was once the center of the world mm. and sort of like, of civilization. Yeah, the culture. way the, the, the Greeks had their empire moment and the Romans had their empire moment and yeah. the Egyptians. But living in this place, you're surrounded by this, the yeah, relics by, of the by, past. And that's and the same. It, it, a lot of different regions just have this these glory moments. And maybe even New York feels like, oh, it's glory moment was mm-hmm. in the 20s. Well, yes, New York is a funny way to think about it because you mentioned the 80s and Keith Haring. A lot of artists really, really talk about that as the time in New yeah, York, right? Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, when but meanwhile, like that's what artists say. <laughs> people that lived around that that was like when there was the most murders in New York. Their yeah. co- police were corrupt, and <laughs> but like, wow, was it creative? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I guess uh, what I'm getting at is that sometimes we're surrounded by uh, this this feeling of that there was something better, and but we can't, we we never experienced it, and we want, we wish we knew what it was like to experience that. It, it's interesting in architecture. It's very powerful. And I, mm-hmm. I think right now in the Netherlands, the, the there's a very big appreciation for the older the architecture, the better, and people really want to. Mm-hmm. Fi- and in in the seventies and the sixties, they're like, no, we should build skyscrapers and have new houses, and then those turned out not to age so well. Did they actually build any skyscrapers in the Netherlands? No, but let's say four stories <laughs> high, five about stories it. high. But <laughs> apartment buildings instead of canal mm. houses. So, mm-hmm. but the, it, what's interesting to me is that the things that remain throughout history is the good stuff. Just like you remember a vacation and you mm-hmm. remember the better stuff. So with architecture, mm-hmm. if a building is faulty, they'll break it down, and the nice ones stay. And then they're like, "Wow, they made such nice buildings in the past." Mm-hmm. And we talk. We we like to think that they didn't tear down historic buildings in the past, but of course they did. Yeah. Um, like, and they were usually cities were burning down Especially every twenty years, right? In the U.S., I've I've seen. Uh, I saw a website where they showed all the post offices and railroads they torn down to build parking lots. In different Ooh. cities, it was really horrifying. Oh, yeah. yeah, but it, oh, in, in in the city of Utrecht in the Netherlands, they. Uh, I think in the 70s they built this huge mall by Central Station and they there was a beautiful old canal but they just poured concrete into it and like no this is the future we don't go around in boats anymore and now they're digging mm. up the canal again and the, the that mall um it's called uh so you can put it in the show notes uh, I don't know it's the mall by the train station it Hoogkaterijne high Catherine uh, uh, in in Utrecht. Yeah, but it's really a horrific building. And you look at it and you're like, how did they come to that decision to tear down a, a canal with historic mm-hmm. buildings and put this... It's not even cool, Brutalist. It's really... I, I don't mm-hmm. know anyone who likes it. So, I mean, where I live in Toronto, they tear down a building every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, seriously. But there's, like how a, old is Toronto? How old are the oldest buildings? Uh, like the oldest buildings are like from the 1800s. Okay. I grew up in a home built in 1890. So, um, like so, townhouses? You know, it's, I mean, it's older than Germany for that reason, right? Like predates the Second World yeah. War. Um, like, yeah, there are, yeah, there are a lot of uh, Victorian row houses, but it doesn't go pre-Victorian. By the Victorian's way, did, did you ever right? travel to Mexico City? No, I'd love to go to Mexico City. Yeah, because oh, is this we, a segue? Yeah, <laughs> we there was a, a a great artist, Inton Godelg. I hope I pronounced it right. And uh, he shared a field recording with us earlier, and now he mm-hmm. shared some ad copy. Okay, so we got a user submitted ad. So this Sponsored is. I message. wish we had like. 
music or like maybe you could come up with something yeah exactly for okay so our first uh user submitted ad or i guess our second really because uh we previously had one uh okay it starts now hey raf have you recently been invited to participate in exhibitions yeah i receive those invitations all the time but i can't show my work in every place some ones are cheap venues some others are in boring countries so there are ones that they even want to commission or participate a fee and i say fuck you i know you never swear by the way (laughs) the people don't understand that we are famous especially me i'm a famous new media artist i can't be joking around with my work but some of these invitations are good. I wish there were an available artist that could do the work we do. Performance, net art, videos, and for a cheap price. He could take advantage of these exhibitions. Well, in fact, that is the reason because I asked you about exhibitions. It turns out there is an artist that does all those things. He is an independent artist, therefore he doesn't ask for much. And he is Mexican, which gives him that exotic flavor that curators look for these days. You know, his name is Inton Goldegg. Oh, is that the guy who sent us the field recording from an old porn cinema in Mexico City? (laughs) Yes, he is. And he would love taking all opportunities to show his work. He is only 22 and still with the hopes of economic success. You don't have to worry about anything. You call it, he shows it, it in every exhibition. And I guess he does net art and video. And if you put it in your exhibition, it makes you look avant-garde and cutting edge. Exactly. <laughs> well, sounds like a hell of a deal. If I was a media, if I was a millionaire, I immediately put him on a residency in a Commonwealth country. There you have it. So Inton Goldegg describe himself as an artist, sensitive. He can explain what he does. Visit his page for more info. Okay, it's www.intt.online. Thank us later. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, you indeed. Thank you, Inton, for that. Yeah. Uh, great ad copy. Um, it really, really thrilling to read your ad. Thanks so much. Yeah, go check so, it out. Int. Where were we? Yeah, uh, we were talking about uh, architecture in Toronto and the Netherlands. And oh yeah, it, but it's it's interesting that uh, with architecture things get built a lot faster. So there's uh, that really changes how you make a building and how you're attached to a building. So if you if you have a building that has existed for 500 years, that gives a very different feeling than mm-hmm. a, a, a building that's disposable. Well, the strategy here in Toronto is really interesting. It's evolved because they were tearing down and they're building so many towers. We're now the, we have the eighth mo- most number of skyscrapers in the world now. And for several years running, we've having most skyscrapers under construction in the world. So it's kind of interesting, though, the strategy, because people have started to be like, why are you tearing down all this beautiful <laughs> old architecture? And so now what they do is, if the even if the building's not uh, protected, they they like keep the facade or they build over the old building. Oh. So it'll be like a huge tower and then like <laughs> like insert it into it. I've seen like, that in the Netherlands all. also. They're, they're like part of a church in front, yeah. and then they just cut one meter, and then there's <laughs> yeah. a skyscraper behind it. Yeah, yeah, but or it'll actually be integrated into it. And there's a building across the street from me here where I live, and they've take it. They had to take it apart brick by brick by brick and label each brick then they're going to build a tower and then just like the first floors of the tower they'll put the bricks back up as if it's like a western kind of movie yeah 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 like a ghost town but Mm -hmm. here's a thought maybe nostalgia is is the 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 difference in ambition between different people so because some people are like of course we should live in the sky and some people are like i like my little house it's fine 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I, I can't stop thinking about um, the internet, though. Like, and I wonder whether we could... But the, the internet goes hand in hand with uh, everything changing and, and disruption. And of course, disruption <clears throat> means... Yeah, but that's what I wanted to talk about, which is yeah. like, people have this nostalgia for the old web. And um, because I work at a product company where, you know, we release new versions or we upgrade features or we like, basically, if you oh, think of it as a city... Oh, people get attached to versions of software. Yeah, yeah. So if you think of it as a city, we're always like building, we're always rebuilding in the software world. And in fact, agile software and the internet made it possible to update continuously. Yeah. Right. So, but, but previously you would download a version or you'd buy a version at the, the store and then you were locked in to a version number. Like the idea of version numbers also makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. But cha- change <laughs> version numbers. Change implies that some people will be happier than others. Yeah, so I guess I say this because yeah, a, a large number of people are upset, and then but almost an equal number of people are excited, and and I don't know whether there are two types of people people who yeah. hate change. I'm, like you I'm, like the old Gmail interface, right? No, I, I no, I like Gmail. Uh, period. I, I think Gmail is a really yeah, but there's like they, no, I, they, they, no, they threw that. <laughs> there's a better product out there now called Inbox, though. Right? No, like Google I, has I, no, but for me, I can. With, I'm not so nostalgic with software, and I can argue. I just generally like very dense information layout. So I, for me, Inbox has too much imagery. Photoshop 5.5, best version of Photoshop. No, I, I, I don't agree. <laughs> but it, for example, Twitter. I think Twitter is doing too many things. So I think mm. Twitter is losing touch with its core product. And they it's, add stuff that, so they want to be more like Facebook, but I don't think that makes a better product. So I, that's not a nostalgic. You don't assumption. have nostalgia for the early days of Twitter. No, um, you don't have nostalgia for MySpace. <laughs> I do have nostalgia for low bandwidth because I think low bandwidth meant that you had to be more creative or create a new visual language, and now uh-huh. the internet is becoming more like TV. So it's I mean, just, if that's the case, it's if just that's rich the case. motion graphics, and I I think. There was a unique moment with low bandwidth where it had a very distinct visual grammar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know because I've talked to you about this before, and you said that you know this is the best. You you know reached a pinnacle of uh, design, like the original Gmail or something like that. I don't remember saying that, but I, I think Gmail. No, <laughs> Gmail period. Here, yeah. I think is a, a beautiful thing. Like it's, Craigslist. It's like a modern like, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I, the iconic example that would be the original Craigslist, which hasn't changed very much. Yeah. At all, like. Are we? If tomorrow you turned a switch on and you could look at the internet as if it was—I mean, there is the internet wayback machine. But if the new design mm-hmm. language that emerged was—and this would—this ha- happens in fashion design all the time. Okay, so no, what no, if no, the next design trend was no, like Craigslist? I, I <laughs> think I think if all of a sudden Instagram was like, "Hey, we've we've added way too many features. <laughs> Let's go back to just square images and and make it even simpler than before." Like and if, blue links. If 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 Instagram had decided we're going to get rid of uh, likes we're going to get mm-hmm. rid of comments it's just going to be photos and no text I would be mm-hmm. all for it so I, I'm just in favor of simplicity okay but I'm going to call it right here right now I think what's going to happen because you know we're the first generation to grow up with the internet therefore our kids are going to have like there's going to be some kind of nostalgia for an internet that they didn't quite experience or they experienced when they were very young um and it's going to happen in the next 10 years that there's mm-hmm. going to be like the next trend in design, I think. And you're already seeing it through speculative practices is going to be like early Internet. And um, we've already seen it kind of once before with like a kind of vernacular. Yeah, but web. there's also it, it's sometimes um, like 
it's maybe the same in food. Like in the in the 60s, people like, oh, in the future, we're going to have all these pills and mm -hmm. like in Space Odyssey. And sometimes a certain direction, like, wait a minute, processed food is really not that healthy. And mm -hmm. so if you start adding a stories feature in every software and, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't think I need a stories feature in my contacts <laughs> app. You know, like yeah. sometimes people go nuts. It's just there for nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then if you say like the software updates and they're like, oh, you're just nostalgic for the old version. It's like, no, I don't want a stories feature in my calculator. I guess I'm just trying to cover off this like one area we haven't fully discussed, which is like the sick cycles of fashion, right? Yeah. And, um, mm. you know, in fashion, of course, it, they always say, what is it? You're a decade or two decades uh, before it's back in style. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like the, like 90s, Ralph Lauren, the 90s are, yeah. Ralph Lauren got big in the 70s with the fashion from the 20s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the 90s were based on, on, on art from, or the 80s, I like the 80s aesthetic was based on art from the 1930s, but that's not mm -hmm. 20 years. I, I just don't know if that's true anymore, except that right now the 90s and early, and now early aughts are starting to become. Well, I, I like this term that, that Duchamp used, the, the aesthetic echo, that sometimes things reverberate. Mm -hmm. And do they reverberate forever, I guess, I, I, in some way? They, well, they're I, I was watching a documentary on cave paintings, and mm -hmm. um, there's an early stage of cave paintings, even before the, the figurative ones, that they were abstract, and people would even argue, can we talk about that as being an intelligent gesture, or was it just like an animal uh, making dots on something compulsively? So there's, mm -hmm. there's cave paintings that are just patterns of dots and there's even a cave painting that is like a, a rectangle cut into nine rectangles with each a different color so yeah. it's like a Mondrian from 40,000 years ago. You did just remind me too that there's this uh, uh, Werner Herzog film called Cave of yeah. Forgotten Dreams yeah. and he's very nostalgic towards, <laughs> towards cave. old cave. Leave, leave, leave it to Werner Herzog to be nostalgic about cave paintings. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, maybe our ancestors were not that dissimilar from us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like seeing this, this lecture by Steven Pinker where he, he said there's this two ways of thinking about primordial men or primitive men uh, uh, primitive humans and the, he said there was one model where they said okay humans were really at peace with their surroundings the same way a tiger in the wild is just like that's what it was evolved for and etc and it's just in its habitat and it's perfect mm -hmm. so that's one mode of thinking like they're just chilling, eating coconuts, and uh, ha having sex, and raising babies, and playing, and it was fun. Mm -hmm. And the other model was like, oh, the brutal savage is always fighting, and uh, mm -hmm. carrying an axe, and just hitting whatever it can, and war, and territorial. So they looked at the facts, and they digged up the, the graves, and found the skulls, and the, the bones, and it turned out it was an extremely violent time. It was 15% of people died of a violent death, uh, mm. the, and they saw that in like just cracked skulls, like fifteen percent of skulls were just cracked. And I think nowadays, point zero zero one percent of people in the world die of a violent death. So maybe, maybe there was just a lot of banana peels on the ground there. <laughs> that must have been it. Your, your inside is <laughs> coconuts, so, yeah. coconuts falling from the trees. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I'm not very nostalgic for the cave days. No. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, it actually does remind me. I just saw this movie uh, called "The Lost City of Zed," where a guy goes 
into the jungle and he's like you know he's british and so he has this like colonial attitude like towards the savages and then he come he comes across a civilization that predates christianity in a great city and and he tries to sell the british people on the fact that there's a great city in the amazon in in both in uh in the south in South America, and they're like, "How could that be? The savages could never mm-hmm. have a civilization greater than ours." Anyway, he spends his life sort of proving, yeah, uh, that these people were more sophisticated than. I also recommend the British everybody to watch the movie Ten Thousand BC. It's, I think it's probably one of the worst movies of all time, but it's very funny because <laughs> they have all these cave people. It's a tribe, but the, it basically looks like Burning Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it does. Rem- uh, I mean, I guess Encino Man is the nostalgic movie <laughs> that I can bring up. We should. We haven't done our nostalgic movie trip or nostalgic TV show or nostalgic video game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like, I just feel like there's a whole economy around all of the uh, around these like things that were bad that we now remember as. Yeah, good. but it, like, there's also the, for me there's the argument. Okay, you you don't want to be local in your. In your cultural references. So if you watch movies, you don't just want to watch movies from Toronto. That's normal. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's not that many. Yeah, So or you don't just want to listen to music from Toronto and read books from Toronto. But you also okay. don't want to be local in, in the times that you are interested in. So if you don't want to just watch what comes mm. out today. I see what you're saying. Because yeah. there's, there's so much great things that have happened in the last 10,000 years that would be interesting to read so you can read poetry from 5000 years ago. So why do we choose so often though to rewatch some of the worst <laughs> media from the past, you know? Like um I guess what we try and relive is popular context. Mm-hmm. Um like so what was it like to live in that time? Oh, I better watch uh you know, Care Bears to find out. Well, something. the like, the danger in that is also that um you can have a nostalgia for the way the 50s were portrayed in movies and TV was different mm-hmm. from the way it was. So you start believing mm-hmm. the infomercials and now maybe movies are more real about what life is actually like. That's true. Like I spent most of my childhood because I, I had a, a place we'd stay in the summers and there's only one channel on TV and it was like classic television. Mm-hmm. And so I like I've watched every episode of like Leave it to Beaver, every episode <laughs> of Perry Mason, yeah. like all these old classic shows. Well, the, um, did you see the the Robert Crumb documentary by Terry Zwigoff? It's a good film about Robert Crumb and he talked about growing up in the 50s and seeing those shows, but then his dad was an alcoholic and he was abusive and it's like <laughs> this is not what life is like, but that's what they made it look like on TV and his his mom was on these diet pills which were basically amphetamines so she was going crazy too and it, mm. it was all about appearances but that sounds like a great uh drama for for this era mm-hmm. <laughs> where we want the gritty reality. yeah but now so now we see it, it, like we even make reality crazier in reality tv and all this and it used to be like no life was perfect and yeah but maybe that was like a nostalgia for the present you yeah. know at that time which is like it's getting very complicated this, huh what if we yeah, where's our good we've point done, we've done we've done future past and now we're on present but like when you're in a moment uh you know that packaging it to be greater than it is like i was watching amazon this week released a really funny terribly kind of in a way sexist product this week called um amazon echo look oh yeah Did yeah, you yeah, see yeah, this? yeah 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 and it's like we're a getting closer camera. to hell <laughs> it's a camera that lets you take pictures of yourself uh, so that you get instead of a mirror and you can see in all 360 degrees and then it can like make recommendations about you know what you should wear and you can send your your, your favorite pics yeah. to your friends I think, to keep I track think of one your of wardrobe the, one of the big things when I saw it 
whenever uh, friction is removed, it's very powerful. So now if you want to take a picture, you have to take your camera out of your pocket and open the camera app. Now you just mm-hmm. say, hey, take a picture. And I, yeah. I know that that's very powerful whenever you remove but what friction. I, what I thought it was like nostalgia for the present because they sold, what I'm trying to get into is this, they sold this very aspirational image and a negatively aspirational image of a woman who has an extensive wardrobe <laughs> and her biggest problem is choosing what to wear. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then it's like, they, and they have an AI, you know, and it's Alexa, like they're casting it as like a, your best friend who's going to tell you, oh yeah, you're 33% more on trend with this look than another look. And Mm-mm. I don't know, I shared it with Kristen just to make sure that I wasn't <laughs> wrong. <laughs> this is like a crazy idea but then I know they probably base it on research and then they just tried to package it as an aspiration like everyone wants to look like they're on trend um, you don't want to be of course, cool I guess what I'm getting is no one lives this life that they were projecting but that's the um, essence of advertising to, to, to make people desire something they don't have exactly but it's like they're they're, what they're doing is they're taking something they think people that most people probably think they could have or could want. But it's always going to be you can slightly have this ahead now. of you. It's like, oh, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can't have it. Well, the, <laughs> yeah, there's a funny line in that uh, movie I just mentioned where he's at one point, he's like, his son and him are about to be killed by uh, this tribe. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what is the point of living if one does not grasp further than one's reach? <laughs> If not, then what is the reason for heaven? <laughs> that, like, beyond one's reach. It reminds me, I watched this movie, uh, uh, Silence by Scorsese, about Jesuit priests in 17th century Japan, and they were mm-hmm. trying to spread Christianity. And the Japanese were trying to get rid of Christianity. And the, the Buddhist monk, or one of the city officials, who was also Buddhist, you Christians, always living in illusions. What's with all these illusions? <laughs> It's like the essence of advertising. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what it is. It's the opposite of being chill. So this whole thing of like, how am I alive if I'm not wanting something more? It's a very funny thing. And and the opposite is saying you're most alive if you're just uh, happy and chill. We are getting to the good point. The good point seems to be that like, Nostalgia can, can be used for good in terms of like helping us through difficult times when it's ca- you know there's chaos, but it can also be used by evil people who <laughs> want to like prey on our like you know kind of uh, vulnerability, yeah, our basic instincts to sell us things or to, you to know, vote shift on the ideology, to vote on for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. There's, a, there's your point. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, my my point really is that is art by nature nostalgic because you're trying to uh, solidify mm. I don't thought. Think we've, I feel like we never finished that. Yeah, but that's an artist's job, right? Is to be a, to reflect society. Yeah, but really, what makes an artist different than uh, a philosopher or, is you're really solidifying the thoughts into a compact visual form that mm-hmm. that persists. Yeah, I mean, it could be non-visual. It could be an experience as well. But yeah. you're you're making a really good point, actually. Maybe a better point. Than but the, like you're anchoring <laughs> thoughts. That's like there's this giant heap of art history, and you try to anchor things. There's a certain danger in this too, I think, among artists for us to oversimplify or or repackage reality as a concept that's so, easy so to it's, consume. So it has more of a hook, so it's more anchored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think of, um, yeah, like artists try it all the time. We've talked about post-internet before, but I think of like the uh, what was that future aesthetic? What was it called? Like the now aesthetic? The new aesthetic. 
new aesthetic. That's it. I've already forgotten. I can't believe it was that it's new. Uh, but the new aesthetic for a while, that was like, um, you know, thing people were trying to push uh, as like we're, you know, trying to say that there's like something happening. We don't know quite what it is, but it's different. Right. Mm hmm. Um, but it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> it's the same stuff. We're just trying to, we're just, we're hopeful that we can, we have some unique experience, but it's just not possible. We just keep falling back into our same old traps. Yeah. Sorry, that's a very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not the happiest episode, but it's okay. We, we can have I'm a sorry. range of episodes. So I'm sorry. Should we end with the field recording? Yeah. What did you record? Um, I woke up yesterday, I think, and it was a really loud rainstorm. And then my first w- thought was, I, sh- I should record this. So um, we're g- It rains in New York? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's rain and thunder. That's all it okay. is. Yeah. And so you can hear it, like, on the fire escape or something like that? Yeah, it's in. It, I was recording it in the bathroom because there's open window, and the, it was the best, uh, the loudest... F- representation mm. of the storm so it's not it's not just you having a shower <laughs> yeah. it should be an interesting field recording with thunderous farts <laughs> all right all right well thank you everybody we'll, for we'll listening. leave it to our listeners yeah we'll leave it to our listeners to figure out if it's that's the beauty of field shower. recordings you can visualize <laughs> yeah. in your own mind yeah, yeah. thanks everyone okay bye-bye Thank you.